Thank you for listening to this podcast from Monclova Road Baptist Church. For more information about this message and the ministries of Monclova Road Baptist Church, please visit monclovabaptist.org. Mark chapter number four, verse number 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. I want you to mark those words and let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude and they took him even as he was in the ship and there was also with him other little ships, there rose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. When he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him, and saying to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased. There was a great calm. When he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? I want you to mark that down as well. Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want you to take note. First, we're going to look at this first phrase, this first sentence that Jesus said in verse number 40. Why are you so fearful? Have you ever been fearful? Have you ever worried? How many of you have ever stayed up at night with something on your mind? Yeah. I mean, if you, you, you know Jesus is going to take care of it. You know you can trust him. But isn't it something that, um, I guess it's just part of being human. We fear. We fear. We get news that we don't like, we're not sure what to do with. We fear. We worry. Here Jesus is there with his disciples, and he says to them, let us pass over unto the other side. The Bible says they get into these ships, and Jesus gets immediately into the ship, and, and uh, he's, he's tired from a day of ministry. He's tired of a day of serving. He's di- tired of a day of giving. He's given himself. And he gets into the ship, and while the other disciples are, are, are doing whatever they do inside of the ship, getting him to the other side, Jesus just begins to, to sleep. And the Bible says that this great storm, now, this had to have been a great storm because these disciples, these men were men of the sea. They knew how to handle storms. They've been in storms before. They're fishermen. They knew how to handle a boat. I remember several years ago, probably 20 years ago now, I was uh, deep sea fishing out in the Atlantic. We went about 25 miles offshore and into uh, uh, this huge storm. First time I ever went deep sea fishing, the last time I ever went deep sea, fi- deep sea fishing. It was horrible. I honestly wanted to jump off the side and s- just swim to shore. I figured that was better than all the sickness I was feeling. It got so bad, I climbed up the ladder, and the, cab- the, the captain was sitting on the floor in Indian style, just praying. And when you go up and you see the captain sitting Indian style, praying in the middle of a storm, you know you're in trouble, especially since this captain didn't believe in God. You know, you knew, you knew it was going to be bad. And boy, there was about 80 of us on this boat, and it was awful. We were, we were feeding the fish all night long. It was the most awful experience that we've ever been in, that I've ever been in. So much so that I say, I will never do this again. I believe that these disciples have been in a storm before. They, they understood what a storm was. But they find themselves in this storm, and they're not sure what to do. 
The Bible gives us a illustration here of what the storm was. The Bible says in verse number 37, there rose a great storm, a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The ship was full of water. So these, these disciples were frantic trying to get the water out of the ship because obviously more water that gets into the ship, you're going to sink. And the, the, the ship was full. And these disciples at a place, at a time of concern and worry, they wake Jesus up. And, and, and when they wake him up, and I know this passage is familiar for many, if not most in this room, they say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They, they, they accuse him of not caring. He's sleeping and they're trying to get the water out of the boat. They're trying to care for themselves during the storm. And they say, don't you care that we're going to die here? Now, I don't know what they thought Jesus was going to do because when he did what he did, the Bible says in the last verse, they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? So I don't know if they expected him to stop the storm or they just expected him to get a, get a uh, um, help and, and get a bucket and start getting water out. It sounds to me like they just expected him to work with them because they were so frantic. Because when he did what only Jesus can do, they were still fear, fearful. They were surprised. And so as we see this, I want to look at this thought this evening. Why are ye so fearful? Why do we get so fearful? Why are we afraid? You know, there are things, that, to be truthful, there's things that, that keep me up. Lose sleep over. At times it frustrates me, I know better, but become fearful. I, I, I am fearful. At times I worry. I am concerned about what life is going to look like if Jesus chooses to tarry his coming. What life is going to look like for my children? I, that concerns me. It concerns me. It concerns me that there are four, four boys out there that are one day going to show up at my house and, and uh, uh, ask me if they can marry my daughter. That causes me to be pretty fearful. I fear the girl one day that's going to marry my son. I fear that, you know. I hurt for her. You know, storms have, a, storms have a way of shaping things, don't they? Both in nature and in our own personal lives. Storms shape things. The storms that you are in or storms you've been in or storms you may be here in the near future, they do shape things in your lives. When they come blowing in off this horizon as here in Mark chapter number four, while some things look much like uh, good on the, the same on the outside, they've changed things on the inside. Truth is, there's probably many in this room tonight that have been changed on the inside because of a storm that you've been through. It changes us. As much as we'd like to weather every storm and say, I'm going to trust Jesus through the storm, the reality is this. Storms change us. They affect us. Not all those changes are enjoyable. But all of these changes serve a purpose. Matter of fact, the seasonal storms that we all experience can bring some of the greatest changes in our lives. Some of the greatest storms that you endure may reveal something about Jesus that you've never known before. 
What do you mean by that? These disciples, I don't believe when they woke Jesus up and said, Master, it careth not that we perish. I don't believe that they expected him to fix the problem the way he did. Because if they did, they wouldn't have been so surprised at the end of this chapter how he fixed the storm. But you know, if it wasn't for that storm that these disciples found themselves in, they never would have realized that Jesus commanded the storms. Sometimes the greatest storm you've ever been in reveals to you one of the greatest attributes about God. Sometimes the greatest storms you might ever face in your life causes you to see the power of our God. The text above that we uh, read here that describes on occasion, uh, an occasion on which Jesus allowed his followers to experience this huge storm. And this storm, it seemed like the end. Now think about it. Your boat fills up with water. You're out in the middle of this great sea. You're not going to swim to shore. You can't get the water out fast enough because you're in the middle of the storm. The storm didn't end, and then they were trying to figure out how to get the water out. The storm was there raging as the ship was full of water. This probably for some of the disciples, they thought, this is it. We've seen storms before, but never this one. We've been through a trial before, but never this one. And maybe you are finding yourself, or you have found yourself, in that very type of storm in your life. And you said, you know what, I've faced things before. I've faced financial difficulties before, but this one, this one's different. I've faced problems in my marriage before, but this one, this is the storm. Maybe you've faced problems in relationships before, and you've said, I've gotten through those, but, but this storm, this problem, it's bigger than any problem, any storm. I'm not sure we're going to get through this storm. I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm not quite sure we're going to get the water out of the boat this time. Because there's not a lot of enough hands to get the water out. Maybe you wake up and you wonder, I'm not quite sure I'm going to handle this storm today. Jesus is the greatest teacher that this world has ever known. Being a great teacher, he understood that tests are not for teachers' benefits, but for the benefits of the students. Nothing reveals where we are in a course of study like a test. Teachers, why do you give a test? Because the curriculum tells you to? You give a test to see where the students are. The test is given so that you can evaluate the students. Jesus is allowing the disciples to go through this test so he can evaluate their faith. He wants to see where they're at. Listen to me, this evening, you're no different than his disciples. There are storms that you're going to face, and sometimes Jesus will allow you to go through the storm because it's a test to reveal where your faith is at. For the apostles here in this passage of Scripture, this test was really more probably like this pop quiz, they weren't ready for this test. They didn't realize this test was coming. They had no idea. When you're new to school, my youngest daughter, she uh, was so excited, she was so excited that she got homework. 
I couldn't figure that one out. But her teacher gave her time to do the homework in school, so she didn't really have homework. But she got homework tonight. She's excited about her first test. I said, son, how's homework? Oh, dad. Are you excited about that first test? No, he's not quite excited anymore like the first grader's excited. You know, we get to a place in life where tests and pop quizzes don't really excite us. Here the apostles just had experienced this long and draining day. They've been serving. They, they're coming off a day of ministry. They're coming off a day of work. They're coming off a day where they're dealing with people and they're, and they're, and they're, they're, they're giving themselves for the work of the Lord. And they don't realize it, but they are heading into a storm. A great storm. It was a storm that brought uncertainty. Have you ever been there? You ever had a storm in life that brought uncertainty? I mean, you truly, you weren't sure what tomorrow was going to bring. Matter of fact, you weren't sure what the next minute was going to bring. Forget tomorrow. You weren't sure what the next hour was going to bring. This storm here for the apostles, it brought uncertainty. It brought fear. And I don't, we don't like to admit it, but sometimes it brings doubt. Sometimes we as the disciples get into a storm where we wonder, God, do you even care? talked to a person just recently and they said, I've been praying for something for the last seven or eight years. And I've even said to myself, and they said, pastor, I hate to admit it, but I've asked God, do you even care? The reality is many of us, if not all of us are going to face a storm where we do question God. Do you care? Because it seems like if he cared, we wouldn't be in this storm. It would seem that if he truly cared, we wouldn't be facing this trial. We wouldn't be living in this fear. I find with these disciples, it would reshape them. And this storm, like the storms that we're in, it makes us more into the image of God. It causes us to rely upon God. It causes us to have to have a deeper level of faith. And we must remember that it's faith that pleases God. God is after you and I increasing in our faith. And let's be a Christian tonight. God is not okay when we're comfortable. He's not okay by us just coasting by. Now, the truth is, everybody here, if we had it our way, coasting sounds pretty good sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, if all the bills are paid and everybody's healthy and everyone's good, and, and I mean, life is okay, and, and, and wouldn't that be a great thing? I mean, if that was just, if that described life, if we never had to worry, if we never had to fear, I mean, think about it. Doesn't sleep every single night the rest of your life, doesn't that sound good? But God knows this, sometimes storms have to come because it's in those storms that our faith is revealed. Here we find the disciples in verse number 35, look with me if you would please, in the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was into the ship. 
And there were also with him other little ships. The day had been incredibly full. The time had come for Jesus and his disciples to leave the place of ministry and to head to the other side of this great Sea of Galilee. And so we find, very simply, they get into their boat. They gave Jesus the most comfortable seat in the back with a pillow. And they headed out into the open water. I want you to see in verse number 36, though, catch this expression, if you would. They took him even as he was. That means they received Jesus in their boat. They took him as he was. They just simply said, Jesus, come on, and this is your place of rest. They probably encouraged Jesus to rest because it was Jesus that was healing. It was Jesus that was ministering. It was Jesus that was involved. And they saw that their leader was tired. They saw that he was weary and they took him as he was and just simply allowed him to come to this place on the boat to simply rest. They were comfortable just having Jesus in the boat. They were satisfied just Jesus just being here in the boat. There is a great value. I believe each and every one of us ought to welcome Jesus into our lives. We ought to want him to, to, to dwell with us. We ought to want his presence. But they weren't looking for his presence there in the case of a storm. They were just simply wanting him there on the boat. They just simply said, as you are, come and stay. Come and sleep. Come in and as you are, lay here on this boat. See, in the storms, you need strength. In the storms, we need power. The gospel says of John, he, uh, John says this in John 1.12, but as many as received him to them gave he power. He gave power to what? Become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the power we need comes. It comes from receiving the Lord by allowing the Lord to dwell with us, allowing him to be in our presence here they find this, the presence of Jesus makes all the difference in the storm. In Isaiah 43, 2, the Bible says this, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, and they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. One of the greatest verses, I believe, a great uh, a verse that we can hold on to in our storms, we can hold on to as we're going through uh, 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 issues in our life and burdens in our life. Let me read that again, Isaiah 43, 2, when thou passest through the waters... I will be with thee. And through the storms, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, they shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Listen to me, this was written, this was written by Isaiah the prophet. The disciples should have remembered this verse as those storms began to fill that boat. They should have realized that, that I will be with thee and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. Here is a promise that was given to the disciples and that promise is given to us today as well that as we walk through these storms, as we walk through these rivers, as we walk through this fire, Jesus said this, I will be with thee. When Jesus is present, he's there to empower, he's there to guide, he's there to encourage. He's there to allow those storms to become something beneficial. Now, how do you look at a storm in your life and say this is beneficial? It's difficult, isn't it? How do you look a stroke in the face and say, this is beneficial? How do you look cancer in the eye and say, this is beneficial? 
How do you look death and say this is beneficial? How do you look a financial burden? How do you look a, 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 a situation in our, in our family? How do we look at those things and how do we say those are beneficial? Because no one here in this room says, Lord, give me more. I want more burdens. The reason why we can look at those things as beneficial is because when Jesus is at present, he is there to teach us something and we learn about God greater through these burdens than we've ever known him before because of his presence. I want you to see in verse number 37, the Bible says, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. We now, we, I, I see number two, I see they're trying, they're taking Jesus as he is. And secondly, in verse number 30, uh, 37, they're trying. Imagine how calm and how beautiful it must have been when they first set out on that sea. When they first set out. But the Bible says, then there arose a great storm. You see, if the storm was present, they never would have set out. Most of us don't choose to set out in a storm. The storm just chooses to come. No one in their right mind would get into a boat while the storm was raging. Someone, I think, would have been smart enough to say, I think we ought to pass tonight and maybe sleep right here on the shore. Somebody make a little fire. Make Jesus a little bed. Let's, uh, let's not go out into the storm. When they weren't out to the storm, probably the sea was quiet. Probably everything seemed wonderful. It seemed like a, a peaceful, great idea. The Bible says this great storm arose. Or a whirlwind. That, that word storm, it literally means a whirlwind. Now, if you look at the Sea of Galilee, you would find this. Storms of great magnitude would not have been uncommon on the Sea of Galilee. They say this to the Sea of Galilee, about 700 feet below sea level, and it's nestled between hills that peak about 1,500 feet above sea level. Given the right weather conditions, the cold air rushing down from the mountains collide with the hot air, making it its way up, and the sea forms a funnel that can create incredible storms almost instantly. So this whirlwind type of storm is what this Sea of Galilee creates. And it happens quickly. They didn't have the, the, the technology that we have today that we could see storms coming. They couldn't turn the news on or turn their radio station on and figure out what was going to happen. These storms here in the Sea of Galilee, it's said of this, because of the position of the Sea of Galilee, because of the height of the, the mountaintops, because of the valley that this sea sits in, instantly, because of the cold air colliding with this hot air, it instantly would create this whirlwind effect. When the disciples found themselves in the middle of this storm, they did what they knew to do. You know what they did? They fought. The disciples did exactly what they knew to do. You know what they did? They took the storm on themselves. And Jesus is sleeping in the ship. He's there in their presence. But the last thing they did was wake him up. I think here they tried to fix this themselves, only to find 
it just got worse. You see, many of these grew up on the sea. Many of these were fishermen. They had plenty of experience. And listen, many a times we face storms in our life and we try to handle them ourselves because we have experience, don't we? I wonder how many burdens we face that we leave Jesus out. We know, we know getting down and pleading with God. We know that would be the answer. We know allowing Jesus and trusting him. We know that allowing the word of God to filter our thoughts and filter our fear and filter our hearts. We know that. Why then is that the last thing that many of us do when storms come? Most of the time we fight. We plot. We try to figure this out. We struggle. The Bible says this, that these men struggled until the boat was full of water. They tried to handle this storm in their own strength. They tried to handle this storm in their own power. And listen to me, just like these disciples, the same is true in our lives. When we try to handle things without putting Christ in the middle of them, they always go from bad to worse. Always. Jesus is not there to be the last hope. He's not there to be the person we choose when all else fails. He ought to be the one we run to first in every storm. It's not for us to fight battles and fight situations and fight and, and live in fear and live in distress and face life every day in fear, not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't have to live life that way. Jesus is in our presence. Some say, boy, I've tried it all. This time, I'm going to try Jesus. Hey, next time, try him first. Maybe the problem doesn't get so bad. There's nothing more frustrating. There's nothing more frightening in life than facing a storm. There's nothing more frightening than trying to give it your best and coming up short. Have you ever thought to yourself, or have you said maybe out loud to yourself, I've tried everything I can, and I just feel like I keep coming up short in this. I just feel like I can't make ends meet here. I just feel like I can't get through this one. Maybe that storm threatens your marriage. Maybe that storm is threatening your children. Maybe that storm is threatening your finances. Maybe that storm is threatening you in a way that you never had a storm threaten you before. The reality is this. We've all had times that we had no idea what to do next. But storms, listen to me this evening, write this down in your heart. Storms are also a great reminder from God that our talent, our abilities, and our gifts alone are not enough. We desperately need him. Let me say this to you again. Storms are great reminders from God that our talents, that our abilities, that our gifts Alone, they're never, ever enough. We desperately need him. We need him. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says this, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is what? Is of God. John 15.5 says this, for without me, ye can do nothing. Nothing. I can't do it in my own strength. 
Boy, listen to me, there's times I've said to myself, I've said to the Lord, Lord, I can't do this in my own strength. I don't have the answers. Whether it be in parenting, I've said to, my, said to myself, I've said to the Lord, I've said to my wife, I don't know what the answer is. When it comes to pastoring, there's times, I'm telling you, there's times you carry burdens, there's times that you're sorrowful, there's times where you're not sure what to do, and, and unfortunately, there's times that I've said to myself, and even said to the Lord, I've tried everything, Lord, I don't know what to do now. You know, it reminds me, it reminds me of this, for without me, ye can do nothing. He reminds me of this, that no matter what our talents, no matter our abilities, no matter our gifts, they're never, never alone. They're never enough. We desperately need God. I find this in verse number 38, and I'll be through. All the kids are holding up their cards, ice cream cards. I thought they were fanning themselves or just reminding me. We got ice cream tonight. Verse number 38, he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? The Bible says Jesus arose and he rebuked the storm. The disciples are probably glad he didn't rebuke them first. Write this down, if you would, please, and I'll be done. Jesus didn't want to discuss their faith. He wanted to develop their faith. Jesus allowed a storm to reveal their insufficiency so that they could learn of his sufficiency. He put them there so they knew they couldn't do this. They couldn't get the water out fast enough. They could not keep the boat afloat. They couldn't stop the rain from coming. There was nothing they could do. Jesus allowed a storm to reveal their insufficiency so they could learn of his sufficiency. Listen to me. Jesus wants you to rely upon him. He wants you to learn that he is sufficient. He wants you to learn that there is no other besides him. Yes, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna marvel at him when we get to heaven. Yes, we're going to be thankful for the great salvation. I can't wait. I can't wait to see those that have gone on before us. I can't wait to see Jesus face to face. I can't wait till every nurse and every doctor is unemployed because there's no more sickness. I can't wait till every preacher is un- unemployed because there's no more time of preaching because Jesus Christ is there. I can't wait till we no longer go to another funeral home because there's no more death. I can't wait till there's no more Kleenexes because there's no more tears. I can't wait till that day. But listen to me, we don't have to wait till that day to see the sufficiency of Christ. We don't have to wait for that day to see that God cares. We don't have to wait for that day to see the value of our salvation. Our salvation we can see every day of our life as God is sufficient in every problem that we have. He's sufficient. And thirdly, I want you to write this down. Jesus never promises us will miss the presence of the storm. But through faith, we are assured of his presence in the storm. He never promises us of the lack of presence in a storm. What he promises is his presence in the storm. Do you know the reality is some people, their entire life, it may be storm after storm. God never promised us we're going to keep you out of wheelchairs. He never promised us 
of the lack of storms. What he said, Brother Kaiser, is this. I'll be present in your storm. That's what his promise is. We're going to face storms. But we as Christians don't face those storms alone. We face them with the presence of Jesus. Some of your boats are going to fill with water. Some of your boats are going to, you're going to think we're going to sink. Some are going to get hit with a stroke and you're going to say, how are we going to pay the mortgage? And then you're going to look back, Brother Tom, and you're going to say, I don't know how it was paid, but it's paid because God is sufficient. Some are going to stand by a casket. And you're going to say, I wish this storm, I wish this storm didn't exist. But the storm is going to exist. But what God is after is us realizing he is there through that storm. He's present. Jesus didn't just want to discuss their faith. He wanted to develop their faith. Jesus allowed a storm to reveal their insufficiency so that they could learn of his sufficiency. And Jesus never promises us we'll miss the presence of a storm. But through faith, we are assured of his presence in the storm. I've prayed so much for Pastor Taylor. He went hunting this past week and actually he's there now. I don't know what his wife's going to do when he brings a big elk head back. I don't know. But I was so glad he got to get away. Within the last several months, he's now buried his sister and he's buried his grandmother. He's in a storm. But you know, Jesus is there through that storm. Some of you tonight are bearing, bearing a storm. Some of you tonight, and you're taking on water. I tell you, as a pastor, I, um, I wish I could just make all the problems of our people in our church go away. But then you wouldn't need God. And I'm not there to take the place of God. I'm supposed to be there to point you to God. And I learned this, sometimes taking problems away isn't what God wants. God wants us to see him in our problem. You know, it's interesting, I don't know how the water got out. But it got out. I want you to see, I asked you to mark something down in your Bible. And I want you to see this. Jesus said this in verse number 35. In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. I've read this passage, I can't tell you how many times. But I've missed that before. Jesus never intended for the storm to kill him. 
he promised them they were going to the other side. You know what I saw in that? We need to just look to his promises and trust him. Stop letting the storms cause you to doubt God. Trust in his promises. He said to the disciples, get on in, we're going to the other side. He meant what he said. He meant what he said. And when he said this about every situation, uh, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, you know what he meant? He meant what he said. When he said, for all things work together for good to them that love God, for them are called according to his purpose, you know what he meant? Exactly what he said. When he said that, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, you know what he meant? Exactly what he said. And when he said to the disciples, get in the boat, we're going to the other side, he meant exactly what he said. And he always fulfills what he sets out to promise. If you're in a storm, if your boat's taken on water, it's not there to destroy you. That storm is there to develop your faith. Trust in the presence of God this evening.